0: Alright, good morning, good afternoon everybody. Welcome to our second podcast. Uh my name is uh, Hamad and I have with me Yasin. Um cool and the topic uh, uh of discussion today that that we want to uh debrief uh about is some of the biggest supply chain risks that that have happened over time and that are happening this year. And there was an interesting article that they published about, especially about uh, automotive manufacturing of like how climate change and environmental changes are making all of those big corporations reconsider their investments of where they open their factories. Um, and yeah, it's an, it's an interesting topic, especially given, given what supply chain has been through over the years. Cool, oh, yes, and so maybe this time we'll do it a bit more of a discussion. So, yeah, what's your thoughts about supply chain risks and and how, how have you seen it overall?
1: Yeah, <laughs> my thought on this is that it's a it's a mess right now. Like, uh, I think like uh, pre pandemic, it was it was kind of rough, but like in a in a somewhat stable state. Like people knew the risk and stuff. But um, from my discussion with like buyers and then my visit literally to suppliers. Um, uh, especially in the like in the metal manufacturing sector and uh, in aerospace and, and more uh, 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 in, in in that niche, um, what I've what I've seen is that it, there's just way lot more of them uh, of different kind, the kind of risk, and they are accelerating. Um, it's like uh, it, the the previous risk is in the previous like disaster or whatever in the supply chain. It's not even done yet. There's like two more that piled up, Um, yeah. So I think like um, doing a bit of an overview of like what we saw and then what uh, what was the impact uh, of each of them and like how we roughly think um, you can mitigate some of these risks.
0: I think would be helpful for the uh, for the listener. Cool. All right. So I would say let's start off with the most spicy one, which is uh, what just recently happened with uh, one of the biggest aerospace manufacturers with this data breach and, 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 and everything that happened. They, they released this statement, I guess, a few weeks ago explaining what had happened and how um, unauthorized access was sort of granted to to different parties they still haven't figured the whole thing out i guess it's still yeah. under investigation and there's still statements that need to come up but how does this happen yes in like a big company with billions of dollars maybe like uh, their their cybersecurity team is as big as a uh, few major corporations how does it still happen in 2022 that um some unknown parties can get access like uh, you would imagine that this would be uh you know hack proof and 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 penetration proof yeah this is severe security
1: risk is a big one like uh um it's a big one and the thing is everybody knows it's out there right um but when it hits you it hits you like a brick and then it just stops everything so um the what, what you said about this aerospace manufacturer is one i had another one which is like um from a, a Vienna company, uh, had 35 factories shut down. Like the ERP email communication system, everything was bricked because um, the, it was it was a ransomware attack. Which means that the, there's a malware that you click on it, and then it's downloaded to your computer, and then it will just like encrypt everything. So by encrypting everything, you can't use any of this because right now it's just like literally um, uh, garbled uh, 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 data and you need to uh get uh the decryption key from the attacker so you have to pay them right um that's one of the big type of attack that uh, that is currently uh hitting manufacturer we have um uh, i'm not gonna name them but uh, there's some uh, people that we a company that we work with that's have been uh, uh attacked on, on this front um manufacturer even smaller one are also um uh are also touched by this um it's just it, it seems to be a trend especially like since 2021 where more and more uh manufacturer uh, manufacturer or people in the uh, company in the industrial sector are targeted um the reason why this happened is um like from from what i've seen in all, all of the different cases that i've uh, that i've read about um is the uh, usually the manufacturing and industrial company have a bit of a um a bit behind in terms of like uh their uh their technology just just in general right so you can see some of them are still using like some older version of windows because their erP that they bought like twenty five years ago work with like that specific thing um what happened in these these instances is that there's just more vulnerability that that can happen right over time you'll see like the um the, the the update in the software or the OS um, uh, they are there because there's there's a bunch of security breach that they're they're fixing over the time or like some backdoors and, and things like that that they're patching, um, but what happens when you have a whole industry that is a that um, uh, is a bit more uh, digitally uh, um, uh, older using older system is that there's just more of these little holes to poke into and if you know for sure. That uh, a company is using like this version of Windows, and it didn't have like the the company is big enough, so the chance that some of their system are not yet updated, and you know the IT department in these companies, it's, it's not it's not like their top priority or or the uh, the it's not initially properly staffed and stuff. Um, so you know for sure that there is not enough resources to patch all of these things or update everything, uh, and there might be somewhere to to that you can get into. So I think this is one core component of it. The other core component is that there's a lot of surface area, right? Um, there's a lot of surface area where can when you can, you can um, uh, 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 put an, an attack vector in place, right? In in, in tech company in general, um, let's 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 say say like Google or like whatever like uh, Oracle or whatever. Um, there's, just by the fact of how the industry is set up, there's a bit less reliance of um, uh, actively always needing to be like uh, talking with outside parties and receiving requests from outside. And all of these different kinds of parties, whether small or big, right? But in, in manufacturing and um, the, in, in specific, um, let's say the procurement department, they have no choice. They have to talk with all of these other folks, right? And there might be new new uh, new suppliers. Um, so uh, the case for um, a social engineering attack is much much uh, uh, easier to do here. If there's just by the nature of the industry, more more uh, more doors are open, and it, it 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 doesn't take a lot. Like if you can get one credential uh, properly, or if you, like you get one guy to download the wrong stuff. In it goes into the company server. Um, it will just it will just like uh, mess up the whole system. Um, so, in my view and in my, my analysis of this, the these are the two components that come into play. And um, I would say until like until it keep working, uh, we're just gonna see this more and more. So, uh, if you're working in um, manufacturing and industrial sector and you know that you're using some old system you have to be extra careful and you have to educate yourself and your teammates and your the whole organization uh, literally on how to like better protect yourself and make like security a core thing um because there's there's no choice like uh uh and, and the thing is let's say with ransomware where uh you have to pay the attacker there's there's literally not 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 no other choice you can you can if you didn't back up your stuff properly it's either this or your factory are shut down for a while. And there's a case where within 10 days of the factory shut down, um, that Vienna company lost 4% uh, of their stock value. So it has immediate impact, wow. right? You can't you can't sell your stuff, wow. your company is getting yeah. valued, and your brand is going to the garbage because you're, you are literally are picked by another uh, uh, an attacker. And uh, on top of, of this all, the only solution you have is to pay them and you're going to pay them you, you have no choice you're going to pay them and then what will happen is that other attacker will learn about this and will be like huh, oh, manufacturing companies are a good good uh, yeah. uh segment of uh, the market to uh, to uh,
0: to attend to right yeah true true uh, and you know like with, with with blackmail like even if you pay the person six months after the thing he wants more money from you he understands your entire infrastructure it's not going to take him um more time to get inside it again and sort of expose you again so yeah you kind of have no choice again to, uh, then to continue paying him and unlike like uh uh other kinds of uh attacks this one is very hard to trace because these guys are super sophisticated you can't know it's very difficult for you to figure out who is the person where is he located how are they doing this so yeah, yeah. and it's the. Uh, it's, it's uh... Usually, like you can't uh, like uh, even touch the like, government uh,
1: infrastructure um, at some point, I think last year in the US, like literally the infrastructure of the government for some, I think like some, some, some oil thing or, or whatever. Uh, I don't remember it was, it it, it could not be used uh, and they had to pay the attack and I think they paid, um, but there's interesting dynamic between somewhere. I, I'm not going to delve too much about this, but like. They have a high incentive of uh, making a good transaction with their customer, right? Because if they if yeah. they are aggressive, well then they yeah. will know that they just don't they the they if they pay it will be like um in for nothing. But if like they are yeah. a good citizen of the dark <laughs> net or whatever, yeah. and they're they're getting the money, and then they're just like not yeah. touching the,
0: this uh, client again for a while. um yeah. they sure. will make a much better business. <laughs> Yeah, they, they they have their forecasts planned out properly, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, in their CRM, they're gonna they're gonna ping back this company like you know, years to say, I are you still it. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, I yeah, know, no, that's that's true. There's this uh, gentleman's agreement among teams, right? So that's 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 that that's what goes. Good. So yeah, that's that's one thing. i i I guess what companies can sort of do is to because it's not only your employees, it, even your suppliers or whoever it has any kind of digital connection to your network. There was this other company I was reading about where it was not the, the company itself, but there was a supplier who had access to maybe some part of software inside the organization. And then they they. They, that's how they got in, basically. And yeah. this, this, this supplier, suppliers that are like, uh, especially if it's a small factory or somebody who's somewhere in Vietnam or other parts of the world, they're the they don't they, they don't even have the basics of like a firewall or anything in place. Yeah. They're using. Well, they have yeah. a lot of stuff to do, right? They Like, <laughs>
1: literally, they have to make these complex parts and stuff like that. Right, they, right. right support an IT department. Like, so, yeah. like, maybe yeah. one guy that is, like, set this thing up uh, or maybe yeah. a consultant or, or whatnot. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, The nature of the supply chain being, like, all connected uh, make it so that now it's even easier, I would say, in, like, this particular industry to uh, uh, to get into. And on top of this, like, let's say yeah. it's, like, it's not even connected, right? Let's say you, you, as a company, you made it sure that even your supplier can't uh, can't uh, trickle like this this malware down to your stuff or whatever. Your IT department like did a great, great job, and your supplier is affected. It will affect you if this right. if the supplier is down for like a month and you yeah. need to recover, and it, like sure. he was doing like ninety percent of your parts. Um, yeah. Well, guess what? Like, your 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 business will suffer, and you will have yeah. to figure out. So, even though it's your supplier, it's an, an external company. Like education uh, on them and ensuring that they are properly like um, secured. um All It's right. kind of a, uh, at some point like uh, it, it's it's too it's too much of a mesh. Um, in order to just say like, oh, I'm good. I'm not gonna worry about my uh, my partners.
0: Cool, cool. So, w- what's your thoughts like? Like uh, before, we move to the next uh, next risk. Um, what can companies do? What should they do um, digitally? And there's there's always right. So you, uh, I understand as maybe a small or medium sized manufacturer, you don't have the same sophistication, uh, sophistications and uh, deep pockets to invest everything into cybersecurity because your main job is not to do cybersecurity, but to make your product that you're making um yeah so what's what's like some simple things that you would suggest uh, companies could do to ensure their their infrastructure is secure
1: yeah uh, um, i would i would go a a bit uh, against that i would say like um that's their core like if like if i would say um there's a machine in your organization then when it's it's breaking right your whole thing shut down. You can't talk to your customer. You can't produce any good, and everybody on your payroll has to stop. Right? What do you do? You ensure that this thing is this machine is ro- ro- rolling like really well, and you understand it like in your back pocket. And you you can bring consultant to get to get you. You can like ensure that all your team is properly trained to like fix it up and stuff like that. Um, but this is a core part of your business now, right? This machine. Right. But right. now, the thing is, um, a severe security attack on this machine, which is like your digital infrastructure, um, can literally bring the whole thing down, right? In the worst case, it will stop everything. In the worst case, you can't not recover, right? right. What if, like, uh, let's say in this company, the attacker messed it up and not only like encrypted, but like wiped out all the servers, right? right. And they have right. no backup stuff, like right. that could like literally lethal for a company so right. on this front uh, i'll go a bit uh, extreme but like you need to have a cultural shift like uh, like welcome to uh to the, the 2020s now every manufacturing and industrial company need to understand that cyber security right. is the core component of your operation and right. uh, need to be baked into the culture baked into yeah. the culture there need to be like constant education and um, need to be treated as like a, a, a literal important part of doing business in uh in uh, in 2020 that so that's it uh, there's a bunch of things that you can do I, I think the best thing is just to link to a blog post that uh, our yeah. service engineer put together there's like right. two tips there's like two case studies about like what happened mm-hmm. and how they improve and there's like Nine resources to know how to uh, protect yourself against ransomware, uh, credential right. stuff, and all this jazz. Um, right. uh, I'll link it directly into the, I don't know, the podcast post, and uh, people should definitely check it out.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll just maybe add one more point to it from based on a bit of personal experience. Um, it, it's not a way to prevent the attack, but at least uh, it gives you some room to. Uh, or or buys you some time and doesn't put you in a situation where you have no option which is backups right so uh, I, I was once working uh, at a place where this kind of thing happened and then uh, the guy actually even got our backup servers right so he also went and encrypted all the backup servers as well so like okay now what do we do the only thing was like this physical backup which was also automatically happening which he could not access because it was not connected to the network and would only happen um when 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 it was connected was like this is how we're able to sort of recover the whole system so yeah having a good backup or a failover plan will give you will at least ensure your business continues because the worst thing that happens is when your business stops it's not a it's not a matter of if anymore it's a matter of when the attack is going to happen and how prepared you are That like, uh, like it's uh unless if you're connected to the internet you're gonna you're gonna there's gonna be a way that somebody's gonna find out how to enter your yeah. infrastructure it's all about how you prepare yourself uh for it okay cool i guess that's uh, that's uh, pretty much for cybersecurity. what about um geopolitical risks right so there's wars yeah. there's uh rivalries there is these uh, shortages that happen here and there um yeah what's uh what's your viewpoint on that and yeah yeah, definitely. I
1: think this this risk was like it's always it's always out there, right? But uh, in the more let's um, say like uh, connected nature of the world, um, there's like no choice but to kind of stay current about what's happening because even if it doesn't touch you right now, let's say it touch um, like tier seven supplier, right? Um, it will still impact you. Like if, for instance, I was reading this thing about the um, in early two thousand twenty one, I guess, or yeah, 2021, 22, there was a, late, uh, a shortage of magnesium. I don't know if it's still going. Um, I think so uh, in China because of the fuel that they they couldn't get the fuel to to do the stuff because they had target about being more green, right? Um, so the production of uh, and the extraction of, of uh, that material was uh, um, was impacted. Um, which impacted the steel production, right? In some other part of the world, which end up impacting like everyone that has to make something with steel, um, and that's 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 the that's that's a geopolitical uh, kind of risk because it's based on the policy that that China decided to to put forth. Um Yes, there are other uh, part of the world which you can get magnesium, but uh, the where you can um, uh, uh, actually um, um, uh, process it is not is it's kind of always concentrated to the same spot and these things are all running on the same kind of type of view um so this is one example um and same thing like for the ukraine russia war um like uh, especially aerospace company, like they were pretty pretty uh impacted uh, on this and it's kind of like it happened overnight right well it didn't happen overnight but like people like it, when it actually did happen it was a mess uh, and then it's like if you were doing any kind of business with Russia now, you in the Western world kind of can't do it anymore. Otherwise, it's gonna be a, a, some brand impact uh, on it. So there's kind of no ways of uh, not thinking about this. The, the the supply chain is is too um, um, is is too global. Like you you have to figure out where your stuff are coming from and kind of have this view of. A more holistic view of the supply chain, where everything is connected, and like uh, check out if whatever event is impacting any of your point, and if yes, you, do you have built-in flexibility and visibility in your chain to do something about it? Right? If just knowing about the event, I don't think it's enough. I think the way to mitigate this risk is is pretty simple: is you have visibility, and you're gonna have to like modify a bit your supply chain based on that, and then you can do some risk assessment, like oh. Russia is like a massive troop in the border of Ukraine. Well, time to call up your
0: local suppliers, right? Like This is the time to do that and move some production,
1: right?
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, Even something like COVID, right? Doesn't happen overnight. It took its time. It started somewhere in Feb, and then we had March. We had April. That's when lockdown slowly started. So I guess, like, like you said, this um having this access to information and being always on top of things because again there's very few geopolitical events that happen overnight without any warning signs right it starts off with some warning signs if you're good at understanding data you can start to see like you said right Russia took I think they were putting their troops maybe two three months before the actual war started so you could actually already start uh, I mean smarter companies would have started to see okay this is our backup plan or this is plan a plan b plan c um yeah th- definitely i think that's that's one way to one way to look at it and there's i guess wars and revolutions get the most attention uh, but there's other geopolitical stuff that also exists like tariffs what happened between us and canada at the time of trump where we had this whole change in tariff prices and stuff like that which also is a geopolitical risk uh, to begin with so your thought on this yes and is like Try to have as much uh, monitor as much warning signals as you can before, and then have some good uh, failover plans in place. Uh, yeah, to move forward. That should definitely have um, a
1: lot more flexibility that everyone is currently having right now in their supply chain. You need to up that. You need to be able to have more flexibility in how you operate and more visibility. I think that's the only,
0: the only, uh, the only way to manage the risk, like for real. Right, 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 right. Cool, cool. And I think also having good impact analysis will help you understand how deep something can cut inside uh, of your supply chain ecosystem. So not all of the geopolitical events will affect you, but there are some that will affect you more than the others, and you've got to put your attention uh, onto those ones.
1: And like if you like if you play a card right here, um, like. It, it can also be beneficial for your business or whatever. Like if you're the only aerospace company that didn't mess up, let's say, for whatever reason, you were stocking your stuff, while uh, right. right. everybody's done, you're like, good. Like price right, going up for me too, and I have the this. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you can you can you can um, um, capitalize uh, on these, right. Right. and and think that not only your business is not like negatively impact, but like you can it can grow uh, uh, on top of this, like. Uh, Right. never uh, what was the quote from uh, churchill i think it was that uh, never let a uh,
0: a good crisis uh, go uh, go to yeah. waste." Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah true true cool okay speaking of uh, the crisis that me and you have heard so many times from our um from i guess everybody we have met in the manufacturing industry this whole uh this whole dilemma of labor shortage and what's, what's going on right now in terms of labor shortage for both uh, buyers and suppliers. Um, yeah, tell, tell me a bit more about what you think about it and yeah, what's your experience has been when talking to those buyers and suppliers.
1: Yeah, it's a mess. Like, I was like, uh, I, I visit, like I said, I visited a lot of people. Um, and at first i was like oh this seems to be a simple problem to solve right <laughs> and it's not it's really not it's not a simple problem at all um it seems to uh, i was like i was literally at the at that front mine, and i was like what the hell happened here like uh, there was um job posting everywhere like i was i was driving into like the main road and then there was like some big banner like hey we're looking for seven Shop floor guys, here we're looking at three dudes. Over there. I'm like, where are they going? Like, where are they? Where, where are all of these people that were there prior to like those posts uh, being put up? Um, but the the thing here is that um, um, uh, business wise, let's say we remove the um, the labor parameter, um, it's going well in most industries I've seen. Right? It's going super well. Um, there is more contract to be had. In, let's say, aerospace, there's more contract now. In uh, manufacturing, there's much more uh, need for uh, production. Um, but when you factor the labor shortage uh, into, this, uh, in this, into this thing, it has direct negative impact on uh, the buyer and the supplier capacity to grow business. Um, so on the buyer side, they can't get procurement, folks. They just can't. Like It's very difficult to get anyone in procurement right now which means it will directly impact their way of finding supplies and managing the contract and then just managing them and getting the whatever they, they need source and, and bought right? Um, same thing for talents and, and, and whatnot. So it means that on their side, their operation is throttled by that. Um, and I've seen a buyer that can't uh, innovate and can't uh, leverage like more business from their customer because they can't hire pro- and procurement or like their procurement folks like just left and this ha- is happening like uh, now the the tech talent shortage right we're, we're seeing it in the procurement directly now they are the hot guys and girls and then everybody wants uh, wants them and then uh, the best one will leave and it will get poached somewhere else um, so this is on the buyer side right. On the supplier side, what's happening is very, very interesting because um there is a big labor shortage, right? And there's way more jobs for everyone. Everybody in north America that i've that I've talked to, they like they almost don't accept more jobs. they actually accept less. um and the reason for this uh, that is happening is that they have much lower capacity. They are hit by all of the other risks that we've talked about, let's say also raw material risk. like they can't buy their their material right if they can't buy their material because it's like it's an exotic alloy from Russia and whatever and uh, in Ukraine and they can't source it. Um, well, they can't get the jobs that they need, right? Um, but there's some job that they can get, but they can produce them because they don't have enough folks on the shop floor. Um, so, uh, what I've seen on uh, this the manufacturing side. Um, right. Is 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 very weird. Like they can't they can't attract talent. They they, they they can't retain them neither. Um. So they have a difficulty getting uh getting talent into their uh um, into their shop. So like a lot of people are doing like uh, figuring out like how to to get uh, uh, uh new employees. They are flying them over from like Tunisia, from like France, from like Morocco, or whatever. And then they are literally doing everything they can to make them work here. It's a long process. It might not fit with the um with the, the culture or whatever. It might be difficult, but like that's kind of the only way they have. Um, and like uh um the 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 people that they hire um they have a lot more there's a lot more shortage so they have a lot more um uh, opportunities so they can decide to not stay there if the job sucks. And some jobs in manufacturing absolutely sucks because it's the same thing you're doing over and over again, right? And I've heard um, some uh, some managers say we hired a what we call in French a journalier. It's like a freelance, I guess, guy that came in uh, after the diner pose. He just left. He didn't say a word. <laughs> he just walked out the door <laughs> right. because I'm, so like, I'm not gonna do this anymore. Like that's it. That's uh, that was my uh, my contribution to this thing about get paid <laughs> so
0: that's at this point
1: right so it's hard to attract talent. some some of the jobs are just like boring right um, some of the, the the let's say welder um, uh, they have to get paid super high and like almost no one wants to do that that job like uh, in, 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 in in most industries um, so there is a shrinking of uh, of the labor here so they even though they are more opportunity to to make money and then increase their their, their improve their business if they can't attract the talents um that's a big risk because then you can't uh, you can do do the business so but what is interesting here that uh, and on the supplier side they've uh, they've uh, invested a lot in like quality of life for the suppliers um i was at um it's like they visiting like supplier for Rio Tinto. And it's it's pretty amazing. Like they have good working condition and they make sure that every one of their guy on the shop floor is like uh, having a great time. Um, they have like Friday off. Uh, uh, it was half of the Friday off. They, they finished at like noon. I was like, shit, man, I want, I want to do this too. It's, it's <laughs> a good job. Uh, they're doing all of these like innovation project, not to make more money, uh, but just like to keep people like, stimulated um, and, and engaged and stuff. There's other people that are doing like um, uh, optimization so that the same person could be much more productive um, than, uh, than before. Um, yeah, so uh, I, don't, I don't have any answer for like how to mitigate risk right now. I want my thought process was like, just pay people more. Um, but there's other component out of this. If people don't want to work yeah. in that industry or you can't attract talent, it's, it's difficult the best the shop that i've visited that didn't have this problem much um, was one that were run by like teachers um mm. and the hack they're doing is like if they're teaching actively or they have been teaching they're feeling intern in there and then they're training yeah. them and then offering yeah. them a job Um right. and this well like the the shops are kind of becoming almost mm. a, a new like kind of university for like manual true, stuff right true, so true. That's, that was the, the the most effective thing that i've found uh so, so far.
0: yeah so in my visits what, I, what i've seen is like um there's like three components to it the first is things you can control which is the schedules right so make sure you use technology to ensure your work schedules are properly optimized i see a lot of companies always focus on getting more and new and more people. And they're always like crying for new people, but their internal system is not optimized for the highest level of efficiency. There's people, uh, I mean, like just a simple example, there's, you have your CNC guys and then you have your packaging guys and you have one packaging guy. So even if you hire more CNC guys because you want to cut more metal, um, there's only one guy he's gonna be the, uh, the bottleneck for you. So just understanding your workflow and optimizing What's the best route that that your shop floor should take? Sometimes help you uncover hidden capacity that you didn't know uh, existed, and then you basically know uh, uh, how you want to move forward. So that's that's one thing I've seen. Some good companies when they when they get into this problem of hey we need more people, actually just. Take a take a deep breath and go and understand how their process currently is working and what's the throughput coming out of it, um, and then second, like you said, right, it's it's about time that there's better working environment for these guys, and now especially given the shortages, there's a lot of companies who are innovating into creating that good good environment for for their people. To giving them the same benefits, giving them extended benefits, uh, providing for them a safe environment uh, to basically work, giving them flexible schedules. I even saw that, like some of them were like, okay, you just need to complete your hours in the day, but you have like, flexible schedule of, of how you want to move forward um, uh, from there. And then also the, the other thing is, again, leveraging technology, expand your pool of people. Um, there's freelancers that you can always use. Um, there's some software that help you connect with those people. So that that's also always, always good. Um, and yeah, I guess it's, it's time that even this sector starts to innovate in this area and, and, and yeah. tries to actually fight for good talent
1: yeah and, and like i did, this
0: is very interesting because in all the shops that like were very
1: serious about this they all they all had like a bunch of innovation project that was aimed directly at like automating some like tasks that were absolutely mind numbing or improving like the productivity of the folks um so this right. is was cool because i was i was in this uh um in this in this um, uh, welding assembly uh, shop, they were they were making like huge huge thing, and it was like I think this was an air vent or some sort. And um, the, one of the worst job in the welding that you can have is like when you're in this type of vent and you have to like like uh, 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 break it open like this, um, or and then weld it back and stuff because you're in a very enclosed space, right? The fumes are are absolutely toxic. And then you have to work like this, right? Um, with the, your 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 um, your your uh, welding gun like uh, face literally uh, up from you. Um, so what they were doing is they were uh, 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 inventing this kind of um, robotic arm that could cut in one shot and then weld it in one shot, so that they don't have to put like their folks in there. Um, and that was absolutely cool because I was like. You're uh, spending all of this money so that you ensure that your welder, which is your scarce resource, um, have a, an absolute good time, and you're doing it with them to make this project uh, go. And it's it was stimulating. Like I'm not, I, I have no experience in welding, and I was like, I was there, like shit. This this is actually um, some some next level automation robotic project, um, and their shop dress was cool for just for this because they had this little. The place where they can do this uh, this type of uh, exploration and innovation, and the guy told me like uh, the folks are staying a bit later also just to like tinker with this and then to to be stimulated by that. Um, it's a it's a good. I think the it, uh, the labor shortage. I think uh, paradoxically will have a good impact in the manufacturing sector in the long run because I think it will it will um, push them to uh, 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 modernize a bit. Their work culture, the work environment, and the just the working condition in general.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I really like your idea that you mentioned of, of like hiring people when they have no experience or zero experience, and sort of like training them through. I, I guess again, it's a long-term investment. But when you get folks like that, then you know your your churn rate is very low. They're they're not going to leave because they're already very grateful for you for you to provide that training, and they're going to stick with you. As long as you provide a good, healthy working environment, so I think that's that's like it. absolutely. I think this whole labor shortage is like a blessing uh, in disguise as well. Uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, okay. not the supplies That can right now. Sorry for the supply looking at this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Um, then we come to the next point, which is um, quality and recalls and everything that happens because of the the losses that occur because something is not produced uh, right. This is definitely one of the big supply chain risks. And I can remember um, some meetings where you kind of like are towards the end of that manufacturing full flow and then some part breaks because it was not produced to the best quality and yeah this this stuff happens uh, what do you do and what do you do to avoid it
1: Yeah well i mean like usually when this happens is um and this is kind of uh um um linked to all of the other risks like let's say you have this supplier a1 the guys like uh, the guys over there are 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 doing like, super good jobs um and then you can't work with them anymore for whatever reason. They don't have capacity because they have a labor shortage or they're in the war zone, whatever it is. What do you do then? Right? You're going to have to source somebody else and get another supplier. Maybe maybe like for this particular component, you never sourced it anywhere else and stuff. Um, so you're going to start to find people. And then guess what? It's very hard to find information about um supplier that is accurate because even their website is not up to date because they have other stuff to do. right? Um, so you're gonna have to take some bets, um, and what happens when you take some bets with low data quality is that it's more of a gamble than a bet, right? Um, so that's that's kind of one of the things I've I've, I've seen uh, more and more happening. Um, and there there's the other component of it is that if you've been doing business with the same folks for a while, um, your the exchange of information doesn't have to be uh, Good. It doesn't have to be like the drawing can be literal, like kids drawing like uh, 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 with with Crayola, and then you give it to the suppliers, and you understand what you need because he saw where it goes, and he already did this thing like six times already. um So they just do it, and then like good, and then um, that's it, right? And it's been it's been like this for for generation There was one supplier in aerospace company that told me like uh, the new people in the buyer company ask them what they should buy because they've literally made the drawings. So they know, okay, it's this part number that you need for this this thing. Uh, Like, just just let me know and I'll I'll just make it. And no need for the drawing, like I have them, right? Uh, That's at this level that some of these suppliers are critical. Um, Mm -hmm. So like, that's, that's one of the main issue then. It's like, if your information transfer is poor, and on top of this, you have to go with suppliers that you don't know if they have the same capability or not, and you don't have the same history that you have with the other ones. Um, you end up like making literal gambles. Um, and if on top of that, you're trying to minimize the price, like that's a big recipe for a, for a low quality part, right? So I think there's all of this um, uh, coming together, but it all boils down to like, better visibility about what you did in the past with people and a better transfer of information. That's it. It's not really about manufacturing, right? If you know, let's say, hypothetically, you have the supplies and you know that there's not a pool of supplies that are as good because you have some history that they did with like other companies. You have like the exact machine that they do and like did the profile match like kind of well. Um, And on top of this um your drawings are kind of standardized and stuff and then you you the information you're conveying is um is uh anybody can can understand it right um, yeah then making the switch when you need to um is much more calculated than if you didn't have that so in quality um i feel like that's one of the main issues that we're we're seeing these days and I, I've seen a few examples of that um it all comes down to like um Having access to good information and being able to uh, to communicate whatever your engineering team need to to get done um,
0: mm-hmm. properly. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, I also remember having a conversation with an executive from from I guess it was aerospace company, and they were saying like, uh, so they had internal incentive to um, give bonuses to their team because they would get them better prices. So their procurement folks would always crush and crush and crush for the lowest price but what eventually ended up happening is their suppliers went out of business because they're they're they can bully they're a big buyer they can bully their way into it Mm -hmm. but then if it's not a profitable business for a supplier for a very long period of time what do you think is going to happen that you you not have that supplier anymore and then you go and try to scramble another guy who can make this part and who can do something and, and and again like you said there's this whole visibility problem like you know more about restaurants and how good uh, your burger shop next door or 10 miles away from you is than you know about suppliers there's just nothing yeah. out there you go to their websites they have these wonky websites which were made 10 years ago through a freelancer no idea what's uh, what they're capable of no no reviews no 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 unbiased reviews or nothing to know about them. And then you're kind of like stuck yeah, it's, very,
1: it's very difficult. And like, uh, it's still a word of
0: mouth industry. Like, that's that's it.
1: And uh, I, uh, there was one uh, guy that was doing um, 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 hydraulic pump. I think that's what they were doing. And they said that the website is just so that when someone referred them, they go there and they have like contact information. That's the sole <laughs> <laughs> So what does it mean? It means that if it's not word of mouth, and somebody stumbled into this, there's yeah. no of it, right? And when you look yeah. at the data, it's, it just is. And to your yeah. point before about like uh, uh, a and force, like haggling for the, the smallest price and stuff, um, this is a real problem. I had the supplier from GE, actually, G Aviation, um, that, that told me uh, that uh, throughout like all of his history with all of the other companies working like BRP, all of this, um, the worst thing that happens is when the, the procurement folks are going past a line that he called, um, he called it something like uh, the, um, uh, the, the knowledge line. Right. So uh, at some point, like if you, if you try to go you know, get down the price, right. Um, the one that is the best fit will win. Right. Let's say like, uh, the guy is the exact same machine to do that. He, he done this for like all of the client. It's his, it's his part. Right. You're gonna get like uh, 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 as you're 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 uh, um, pulling people together to bid. You're gonna get uh, over here. This is a good line, right? You don't want to overpay, right? But then there's this other shop over there has no has no idea how to make this part, right? They they missed a, a detail or they never done it before. Um, so what will happen if like you keep pushing for lower price? This guy will bid, right? He will quote. And the, the actual optimal person, will they say, well, oh, like, how how would you do it? Like, uh, if this thing's going to break if you're doing it this way with, like, this other thing. And the, yeah. the, this person is just like, no, I think it can work. And then you do that. Right? And then the yeah. person is like, that's it. I got it. right? I, I got all yeah. of them. The supply. And then they uh. try to do that, and it's breaking, right? It's going to yeah. break. It's going to be a mess. And yeah. one instance, what happened was that the supply messed it up. Right, and he knew that he must like he knew that he messed it up before he shipped it to the to the other supplier. So this supplier was uh, talking to the optimal supplier for the this hydro- hydraulic pump, and he was saying like, "Hey man, I, I need you to help me there. I'm going to lose money on this. I know, but I've messed it up bad. Like, can you just like quickly like uh, tell me how to fix it and stuff?" And then the guy the guy "Okay, I can help you out," and he did help them, and that's it. Like that's uh, that's no one is happy in this case. Like the, the, the company is not happy because there's gonna be some delay, quality will be bad. The supplier is not happy because it's not making any money. The other optimal supplier is not happy. You pissed off everybody, right? So uh, there's, there's there's also this part there that uh, um, is, a, is a variable is when you're looking at like procuring something, the price is just one of the variable. It should not be the only one. If it's the only one, you're gonna get past this knowledge line. It's gonna be bad. So you have to take into consideration, like the capacity of the suppliers, the relationship that you have with them, and all of these other uh, parameters that are that we've talked about the, of the risk, in you know, order to ensure that uh, whatever you're sourcing um, is good for the business now and in the in the future. Right. Right. No,
0: definitely, definitely. Cool. yes uh, I guess uh, that's uh, that brings us to the end of this uh, this podcast. Thank you again so much for your time. And thank you to all the listeners for making it through. Please do leave us your feedback and subscribe to the podcast. Again, if you have any risks that you would like to share or any stories from 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 any of the risks that we discussed, please do get in touch. And yeah, I wish you a great day ahead. Thank you.